right, everybody, welcome into the Westside Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dakota Edsry. Welcome to today's show. If you enjoy what you're listening to, if you enjoy the content, please subscribe, leave a rating. Everything is super appreciated right now. We are growing leaps and bounds. Just want to give a quick shout out and a thank you to everybody for listening right now. It has been an absolutely incredible response from everybody inside of from, from listening, commenting, all that good stuff. So I just want to say thank you for that. And with that being said, we're going to get right into around, around the world. Uh, not a whole lot when it comes around the world this week, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a bunch of basketball stuff. I'll cover that. Uh, a couple retirement stuff notes. And then we're, we got a whole bunch of Mariners today. It says Mariners, Mariners, Mariners today. So with that being said, obviously the Warriors beat the Mavericks to end that series. Congratulations to Steph Curry for winning the Western Conference Final MVP Award. Clay Thompson showed up again. Shout out to Wazoo Gokooks. Uh, 32 points, six players for, for the Warriors had double figures in that game. They really showed up to play. Uh, congratulations to them and Steve Kerr. Uh, congratulations to, and thank you to Steve Kerr for all your comments regarding the unfortunate shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Celtics beat the Heat. Uh, first finals appearance in 12 years. Jason Tatum wins the Eastern Conference Finals MVP award. He is a budding superstar. I really enjoy watching him. He reminds me a lot of, some people will disagree with me on this, but he reminds me of a young Kobe Bryant mixed with Paul Pierce. And I'm not saying that just because Paul Pierce was a Celtic also. But I look at his skill set, uh, his drive, his mental state, everything. You know, He's got that right mentality. He's got the good head on his shoulders and even a better heart. So, uh, congratulations to Boston for, for getting that done. Tatum put up 26 points. Brown put up 24. And Marcus Smart with 24 led the way. The match starts tomorrow, for those who don't know. Um, this is a little bit of a new tradition, yearly tradition for golf. Uh, bringing in the top uh, golfing NFL players. Most of them, obviously, are quarterbacks. All this whole list is quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Will will be participating in a two-on-two tournament, so that will be exciting to see. I'm I will be doing my best to cover that. I don't know much about golf, to be honest with you. It's not my repertoire. It's not what I do best. But I'm trying to learn and expand my knowledge to all platforms, including soccer. So that's kind of exciting, especially for the fact that we have a quality sound, a quality team in the Seattle Sounders. Uh, previous pitcher for the Mariners, J. A. Happ, announced his retirement yesterday. On a uh, on a national pro on a national podcast, excuse me. After 15 seasons, he had an ex- extremely long career. Good, crafty lefty, kind of like a cheap man's Andy Pettit back in the day. Uh, just great career, great man, great ambassador for for the league. Super glad to see he had uh, the right time to end his career. He didn't like keep pushing it to you know where he wasn't competitive and it kind of tainted his legacy. So congrats to him and his family. Aaron Donald has stated that if the Rams do not give him a contract that he feels is re- is requirement of his skill set and duties, that he will be, quote, fine with walking away from football. It's a sad day for football. Aaron Donald is by far the most uh, impactful defensive player of my generation, of my lifetime. I've watched, you know, Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Richard Seymour, the list goes on. But he's by far just the most impactful defensive player I've ever seen. He's had the one of the most incredible careers at his position in NFL history at defensive tackle. Even though he's more like a defensive end, coming out of Pittsburgh first round pick. 
And uh, speaking of football and speaking of the NFL, this is something that's been needing to happen for a while, ladies and gentlemen. What needs to happen is very simple, is to get rid of the Pro Bowl. I've been begging for this for years. I've been preaching it to the mountaintops, waiting for something to listen. And finally, the NFL has realized that they need to get rid of this joke of a, of a game. You know, it would almost be more competitive to play two-hand touch than to watch this NFL Pro Bowl, because all it is, you know, no one wants to get hurt. There's no incentivized money into it. What, we sh what they should do, in my personal opinion, is go back to the old days when they used to throw like throwing competitions, 100-yard dashes, uh, strongest man competitions, stuff like that. Something that could actually bring and draw a good amount of talent and not just, you know, it's kind of like the NBA and, the, and the, the dunk contest. You know, obviously not everybody just wants to jack up threes due to Steph Curry being the greatest shooter of all time. Um, but now NFL runs into, into the same problem because these guys are now, you know, now the seasons are 17 games. You know, that's one extra game of punishment, for better lack of a term, they have to do a year. So why, why, why in the heck would they want to participate in another game when they're trying to rehab, going into surgeries, getting their, getting their off-season workouts, so you know, their vacation set up, spend time with their families because they've been, you know, gone for 17 weeks or 16 based upon bye week. So super glad to see that they're doing that. The game is trash. The quality is garbage. Everybody tries to make it something better than what it is. Let's just get rid of it, rip the bandaid off, start the healing process, figure out something new. The NFL is the most profitable uh, sporting industry in the world. So we can figure it out. Roger, figure something out, please. Because we're tired of watching flag football. No due disrespect to Sadie Flag Football League or anything. Got no, no problem with that. But we're talking about the NFL, the National Football League. Okay, so that's around around the world this week. Uh, like I said, a little bit of a shorter section. I got a long, long thing for the Mariners because it was a really good weekend for the Mariners. Thank goodness it's been a rough couple podcasts getting through this struggling month of May, to say the least. It's been abysmal. It's been bad. I'm not going to get into it. I, I've been covering it for the last five podcasts of just the constant struggle of the offense. It's like the offense hits the ball. And then the pitching wouldn't do. And then the pitching wouldn't be good. Then we, we, then we couldn't hit a baseball. So, but with that being said, uh, we're going to kind of run down the starting pitching from this, from this last weekend series versus Houston. And we're going to kind of work our way down here. Starting pitching was absolutely phenomenal. Finally, 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 we have quality starting pitching. Right? Chris Flexen, seven innings pitched, one earned run, six strikeouts. Boom. Logan Gilbert, seven innings pitched, zero earned runs, five strikeouts. Boom. He is the first pitcher for the Mariners all season to go seven innings of zero earned run baseball. Logan Gilbert, you are the face of our pitching franchise right now, and you are stepping up to the table. You're showing Robbie Ray how it's done. And hey, Robbie Ray, for the, way, uh, you know, for, for, for the record, Robbie, we paid you $21 million. $21 million, and you are pitching like a, mm, I'd say a quality two to like a high tier three pitcher when you're supposed to come in, be our ace, sit guys down, set the, you know, set the bar, set the, set the standard for what everybody else is, you know, going to follow by. And right now, Gilbert is out pitching you, Marco is out pitching you, and I'd argue to say Chris Flexen. You know, Robbie Ray's got the flashy strikeout numbers. He's like number four in baseball in total strikeouts. Well, it doesn't do you any good when you always have the one inning where you bust the gates off of the hinge. 
right? It doesn't do you any good. It really doesn't. You know, that's the biggest frustrating thing with me with Robbie Ray right now is he's got nasty, diabolical, rest in peace, Dave Niehaus stuff. Like, nasty stuff. The problem is, is like when he's on, he's on. And when he just gets off a little bit, you know, it's like the control goes right out the window. The baby with the old bathwater. Like, what the heck is going on, man? Let's go. We need you to ride the horse. We need you to steer the ship, be the captain, put us towards true north. Let's get it done, Robbie. Okay? Sorry for, 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 for the Robbie rant. It's been irritating as all holy heck to me right now. And it's just driving me nuts. Okay? Marco Gonzalez. What a start to finish that series against Houston. Seven in the third, two run runs, five hits. Granted, Luis Garcia was filthy. Filthy. Like, I don't know what is. I don't know if he's got, you know, 15 moving parts in his in his pregame or pre-pitch windup, but he nasty, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I watched him, I'm like, man, I wish he's a Mariner. And I'm sure, you know, I say that about a bunch of guys, you know. But that guy's gross. And uh, we beat up Justin Verlander real, real bad. I got a little thing on what happened with Justin Verlander here coming up in just a second. Uh, but I got to touch on Kyle Lewis here real quick. Kyle Lewis, the emergence of Kyle Lewis has been an absolute godsend for this franchise again. You know, we were just banging the table, myself included. Kyle Lewis, Kyle Lewis, Kyle Lewis. And Kyle Lewis has came up. He has stabilized this lineup. He has made this lineup so much deeper than what it was by one guy coming in and doing his job, right? It's the amazing emergence of one player that can change the entire look of your lineup because you don't have that one glaring black hole in the part of a lineup that needs to be efficient and needs to be hitting the ball consistently and it needs to be able to score runs on a nightly basis. You look at Toronto, Boston, New York, Gosh, even Cleveland right now is hitting the ball well. Minnesota. Everybody is, you know, if you have a good heart of, of the order and you're scoring runs, you're going to win games. As long as, as, long as you, you can pitch, and I'm going to get into, in, into the pitching later, but you got to be able to score the runs. you got to be able to hit the ball efficiently, effectively, and consistently in order to win baseball games. It ain't rocket science. And they're starting to figure it out. This series against Houston went, went, was a huge deal. We hit, we batter Justin Verlander around all the time. We went 53% of his, his first pitches we swung at. Scott uh, iterated before that game that for the beginning of the season, their tentative coaching plan per, per via Scott service was that he wanted to just kind of stand back, let these guys do what they do best, and try and figure out if they can get, you know, steer the ship on their own. And the final thing they did is realize they, need, they just need a, a talking to. Which, I don't know, honestly, I'm not a pro, I'm not pro, I'm not against Scott Service. I think he's a good manager. I have my moments where I question like everybody else. I have my moments where I praise him just like, like everybody else. But why you stay and sit around for this long to like make that kind of a decision to me is confusing. Because the timing has been needed for a month, obviously, like I touched on a few minutes ago. We have been struggling mightily for this whole month, you know? Yeah, you know, we had the fun time of Julio hit his dinger down in uh, Miami and, you know, a couple cool moments along the way. But we are like, I don't know, I believe we were seven games under 500 for this game for this month of May. And granted, we had, I do, I do believe, two trips to the East Coast this month. 
we have been getting shelled in far as far as that the whole boston series that was the story of stories um i'm not gonna go back into that congrats to every story for kicking the teeth in of everybody but that's for a whole different conversation for a different day but we attacked justin verlander like finally finally i've been saying just attack the fastball the curveball is, is gross the slider is untouchable the changeup is pretty good but his fastballs, his four-seam and two-seam, are what make him vulnerable because he's got a pretty flat four-seam, and his two-seam doesn't really have a whole lot of run to it. Uh, a little bit more to righties than it does to lefties. He's pitching it in on righties and again uh, way on lefties, trying to get that tail on it, obviously. But we attacked 53% of the first pitch against Justin Verlander. We set the tone. You know, J-Rod, home run, first inning. Kyle Lewis, home run. Ty France, home run. All those pitches, or uh, Ty Francis, Taylor, Taylor Trammell, and uh, oh, I'm blanking right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll grab it later. These are all first at pitch at bats. They're not waiting around. They see a pitch they want, they attack the ball, which is exactly what we need. We need to be more aggressive. I love the, the bats being more aggressive in general because when we do that, you know, I listened to John Boy, and he was kind of touching on this, and I like to listen to his commentary on this kind of stuff. When you set the tone offensively against an aggressive pitcher like Justin Verlander, you are dictating to him. He is not dictating to you, which as an offense, you need to do. Because if you let the pitcher get into a groove, like we saw, good example, Jose Barrios, you know, he got one inning where he had bases loaded. We all know Steven Souza, yada, yada, yada. The rest is history, right? Didn't do nothing. Runners on, you know, bases loaded, one out. We uh, went to bed on that one. Whatever, right? But we didn't, we weren't attacking. We were we were attacking the wrong pitches. Uh, you know, a low fastball or a fastball in on the hands. If it's up in the strike zone, it's elevated, punish the ball. We're getting to the summer months right now, ladies and gentlemen. The air is going to get a little thinner. The ball is going to travel easier. Let's take advantage of the warmer weather coming in. Thank goodness, because it's been a wet spring in Washington. Wet, wet, wet spring. And let's just let's just do what we do best. When we hit the ball and we score more than five runs, we have an, we have a 600 plus winning average or winning percentage. That's got to happen more often. Suarez. He's starting to heat, heat back up again. I find, found out recently this weekend that Jesse Winker has been nursing a shoulder issue. That would explain a lot of things for Jesse Winker because he's been struggling. I've touched on it on almost every podcast because he is the difference maker for this lineup. And when he gets healthy and he comes back to full fruition, this lineup has the ability to be dangerous. I still believe we need a couple, uh, a couple players. I still think Dylan Moore has got to go. He's a good defensive uh, replacement in the outfield and late innings. Um, Billy Hamilton was released. He, he requested free agency. He got tired of playing in AAA. Don't blame him. He'll probably be in the big leagues playing for like Pittsburgh or something. Pittsburgh's playing decent ball right now. Um, unfortunately, I touched on Ben Gamble and a possible trade option for the Mariners. He went on the 10-day IL with a, with a shoulder strain. So that kind of uh, poo-poos that idea, at least for the time being. See here, aggressive bets. And then, of course, Julio. Julio, Julio, Julio. Julio Rodriguez is the truth. He is the shining star of his franchise. I love how now he is on the advertisements for everything for this team. It's not Robbie Ray anymore. It's Julio. Because Julio is becoming this team. He is what this team wants to be. Aggressive. Fast. Athletic. Uh, Jared Kelnick. I got a lot of things to get in with him. 
He is doing well right now. Ty France, 11 game hitting streak right now. Longest of his total career. That is wonderful, wonderful thing to see right now. Ty France hitting 346 right now. He leads the league in hits since the beginning of last year. Pardon the page turn. And with that being said, um, I got a new little uh, program, a new little side thing here. I'm going to do is called State of the Farm. So what this means is I'm going to be covering some names in our minor leagues uh, prospect systems. Double A, triple A. Uh, single A is kind of hard for me to do right now because of the fact that it's single A. It's really hard to like properly uh, analyze these guys because of the level of competition down there. So with that being said, we're going to start out with Emerson Hancock, who was a first-round draft pick of the Mariners a few years ago. He did have a shoulder issue last year, which limited his ability to pitch. For some reason, that gave uh, Baseball America the reason to drop him out of the top 100 prospects, which is ridiculous. Because I, I got about five other players that are inside the top 100, which don't deserve to be there over here. Emerson Hancock, but that's, for a different, that's a different conversation for a different day. Four innings pitched for Emerson Hancock and his second start in rehab was four innings pitched, 44 pitches, one total hit, zero earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts. This is by far his most clean and efficient outing in his rehab start in AA. Taylor Dollar is a name I have mentioned in previous podcasts. This is the name we could possibly be seeing coming up to the Mariners at the end of the year in like a long relief role possibly. Or if I you know, knock on wood, if something were to happen for Flexen or for any kind of our pitching or if Kirby struggles more and we need somebody to come up, he could be a name that could possibly come up, him or Levi Stout. Taylor Dollard is dominating double A. He really is. You know, He has a sub one ERA consistently all the way through until uh, through the beginning of the month of June. He is a five pitch pitcher, fastball, sinker, slider, curveball change. I like his mix-up. I like his, he's kind of got that uh, Roy Oswalt three-quarter slot release. Uh, super interesting to see with him. Uh, also, uh, there's a pitcher, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. He used to play for Oakland. They're very similar in that. Rich Harden was the same way, too. I touched on about Levi Stout a few minutes ago. Uh, he had a five innings pitched in uh, outing recently. One run, run, eight strikeouts. He continues to have fairly good outings. When he's good, he's pretty dang good. And when he's bad, it's real bad. So he's a, a little bit of a harder thrower than Marco. He's about 92, 93. He can get up to up to 94 at, at occasional times. But he's more of a crafty pitcher. Reminds me a lot of like an Alex Cobb, uh, which is like a good crafty reliever, stuff like that. Colin, Colin McHugh, who is a long reliever for Tampa Bay. He's a very, very sound pitcher. Same thing. He has a four a pitch mix up. Kind of curious to see what happens with him. I now we get to the meat and, and, and potatoes of this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Jared Kellenick. Uh yeah, when he started to triple A, it was bad. He was swinging at pitches he shouldn't have. He could he could clearly tell he was frustrated. He wasn't finding a stride. Swinging at pitches he was in in the major leagues, a change up low and away, the the riding high fastball. He's kind of changed his hands up a little bit, uh, which is kind of needed for him. I thought, I thought his hands were kind of all over the place. He needs to just find a set position. You know, if you watch Julio, you watch Ty France, J.P. Crawford, their hands are set in stone, and the eyes follow the hands. J.K. has a five-game hitting streak. He has now back-to-back -back games with opposite field home runs. Uh, game before last, he was a double side of the cycle. This is what Jerry stated for, for uh, J.K. to come back up, is he needs to be able to hit the baseball to all fields. 
not this, you know, pulling the ball every time because of the shift right now is going to eliminate that many more opportunities for him to, to get hits. A good example, again, J.P. Crawford, his ability to hit the ball the other way has made his batting average soar up since the last two years. That's something that management really, really, really pushed home to J.P. Crawford. They're doing the same thing with Jared Kelenic. Jared Kelenic has such natural, God-given strength to all fields. It's just a matter of trusting his hands, trusting his ability to hit the ball, not relying for just pull power. Uh, no, no due disrespect to Mitch Hanniger. Obviously, we all miss, miss and Mitch love Hanniger very, very, very much. Uh, his um, his emergence and the lack of him in the lineup has been a huge loss. I have not got any updates on Mitch Hanniger recently. The Mariners have been very quiet on that. Um, I do follow him on other social media platforms, but he has been very quiet. So hopefully that tells me that he's closer to us, you know, coming back. I hope, hope so. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Insert narrative, adjective, whatever you want to use. That he comes back, but until Jared Kelenic, like I said, hits the ball to all fields, he's not going to be coming back up to the big leagues. He needs to be doing this probably for the next month to prove that he's actually learning to trust his hands again. And if he can come back up like he did last year in that last month, start hitting the ball all over the field, heading up for power, trusting his hands, using that athleticism to his, to his advantage, he'd be a huge boost for this offense. Ken Giles, I touched on two, pro, two podcasts ago. Had a really good promising appearance in AAA. First time in a year, his fastball is sitting 94, 95 miles an hour. He had a uh, hitless, runless, walkless outing. So that's a very positive thing to see. Today's matchup is George Kirby versus Baker for the Baltimore Orioles. That game will start at 4.05 Pacific time. And my final touch-up for today is that uh, Tyra Lockett wins Seattle Male Athlete of the Year. Congratulations, Tyra Lockett. You continue to be a shining beacon for this city. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everything you've done for our franchise, for our city, for our state, for our kids, um, and for so many people that have, you know, you have brought so much joy to the Seattle Seahawks franchise and to this city. And uh, I just want to say a quick moment of thank you for that. And with that being said, today's podcast is going to be a little bit shorter. Uh, but like I said, there's a little bit of a shorter one in general today. Thank you for everybody for listening. If y'all, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. Give me a rating in down below in the comment section. And uh, until next time, as always, see us rise.